You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the first podcast of its kind. Let's shout out to ourselves today and the self-love and care that we need that includes financial help. As an entrepreneur living in a pandemic, it's obvious that we need to keep the pipelines full and the bills paid. So I want to help you. We recently found a new resource that seems to provide some great job slash gig leads. It's called We Work Remotely. If you search it on Facebook, you'll know you've hit the right site or page when you see the black circle and the three white letters, WWR, head over to their page, check out the job leads. We are all about real jobs that we can do and get paid for to further our ability to live and thrive. Doesn't seem like we're asking much, does it? Check it out. Give me a holler back and let me know how it goes. I'm hitting the airwaves by myself today to discuss a few secrets about trauma. Ooh, this episode idea kicked off from my friend Drew Linsalata, who's been on the show a few times. He also told me that trauma is my jam. Well, it's hard to deny that because in my life I have slogged through the shit, the abuse of all kinds, the verbal, sexual, physical, all of it. I have a scorching case of abandonment issues, am a long-lived eating disorder survivor, an anxiety attack sufferer, and survivor, I don't like to use the word sufferer, really, been hit by depression at a time or two, have been a single parent, an estranged relative, an outcast, have been bullied, and poor AF. I was so poor, you guys, that, like, you couldn't even touch it. You know what I'm saying? Like... If we were in the pioneer days, maybe I would have been deemed to be rich, but no, not so in the 80s. So I know a thing or two about trauma. I know how to climb out of the trenches when every crab in there wants to pull you back down to live the phrase, misery loves company. I refuse to go there anymore or to be pigeonholed by any label. I am who I want to be. You can be who you want to be as well. The second, isn't it true though, that the second that you find out how you can help somebody, you just want to do that. You just want to show up for them. You just want to show them that it doesn't have to be so difficult. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some mindset work. And I'm going to tell you too, if you're like I was, and you kind of like the attention that comes from being like the downtrodden and the underdog, You're going to have to look for different ways to get that attention and that validation. We'll talk about that a little bit today as well. The first secret to healing that I want to share with you is that you can't be a victim, and not because you are a snowflake, and I hate that term, but because when you see yourself as a victim, and let me be clear, let me just pause for a minute and say we all need words that define what happened who we are in our lives, but we still get to decide who we are. So we can say, yes, I was a victim of that crime, but that doesn't mean that defines you. You still get to decide who you are. Someone might describe me as a victim of this or that, but I decide what is true. I decide. And when I say define you, how does that impact your everyday life? How much of that is true? How much of your past you allow to be true in the present. You have to step into this power and exist in two places, acknowledging what happened 
as an action while also not being defined. And it's a tricky little balance, but it definitely is something to strive for because it's very hard to be empowered if you're being held back. It's, and I think it's even harder to be empowered if you yourself are doing the holding back. At least that was true in my case. My case. So now here are the rest of the trauma secrets. Remember, this is the show about the real trauma secrets that you need to know to get through trauma, to make it manageable. I won't ever say overcome it, even if that slips out sometimes. I mean, accepting it to the point where it doesn't influence your life going forward. Number one, the trauma secret is, it's about understanding the decisions you made based on limited information. So what does that mean? That means, for instance, if you're a kid and you saw some really toxic dynamics in relationships, you had limited information. Maybe you didn't even have any information. And so when confronted with similar situations, or even if you're just trying to have a healthy relationship, a healthy romantic relationship, a lot of times uh, that's very difficult because you don't have a model that you can refer to. So you can go on in your life and you can make terrible decisions. But what helped me is to say, yes, I made these terrible decisions, but guess what? I know why I did it. I did it because I was reacting. I did it because I didn't have the information that I needed. And I think it's Maya Angelou who says, when you know better, do better. And that's what this life is all about. So it's accepting the decisions that you made. Okay, great. Those were terrible decisions. And it's not excusing them. It's not using the limited information as an excuse, but it's saying that I did this. I understand I did it. It wasn't a good decision. I don't want to do it again. I hurt people. I own that. But I can also see why I did it. I had limited information. Number two, your secret to getting through trauma, learning how to handle it and manage it and live with it daily, is that we need to be ruthless when it comes to changing behavior. I liken it to when I quit smoking. I had smoked for many, many, many years. I smoked, I started when I was 14. And uh, every time I got pregnant, I quit. But when I had Colton, who was my middle child, I quit for good. And the way that I quit was cold turkey. And I have found that to be the same as it comes to when it comes to changing behavior. And in particular, because I was a very angry person for a very, very long time. I would snap back at people. I didn't care what I said. I didn't care how I hurt you. My job was to push you away as far as possible. Nobody was welcome in my life. And even when I said, you know, oh, so-and-so is going to help me and I'm relying on them to do this. No, no, that wasn't the case because I didn't trust anybody. So I just reacted. If somebody got too close, then I needed to self-destruct and set fire to everything so there would never be a bridge to come back over. But when it was time to change, I had to do it ruthlessly. And I had to be ruthless with myself and say, I am going to change. I am not going to allow slip-ups. And of course, I'm human. So I did slip up once in a while. 
but my mindset was different because instead of, well, I slipped up, I can't do it. Who cares? I'm not even going to try now. It became, okay, you did it, but this is what you really want. So you're going to go after it and you're going to work for it and you are going to change your behavior. And now I very, very rarely get angry because that is the type of person that I wanted to be. It doesn't mean that I don't express myself. It doesn't mean that my needs go unbidden. I'm searching for a word right now. It doesn't mean that my needs go unfulfilled, rather. I do express myself. I do know how to have conversations with people. But when it came to communicating and how I was hurting people, I didn't feel good about being angry. So I found that I needed to be ruthless when it came to changing my behavior. Your third trauma secret that allows you to live with trauma and handle it every day without it disrupting your life is refusing codependency. Codependency means that, and I'm not taking this out of an official definition, definition, but it, it means to me that um, you rely on somebody to give you something that you want. And likely that is an unhealthy and toxic dynamic. So refusing codependency means that you are reorchestrating how you receive validation and love. Because a lot of times when we participate in codependent relationships, we get something out of those relationships. And again, it's not healthy. So it might be a situation where I'm going to get along with this person. And in order to get along with them, I have to look the other way because they drink a lot. And I want them in my life. And so I'm just going to look the other way. And this is a really toxic situation that doesn't make me feel good about myself. It doesn't hold the person accountable for their behavior either. And addiction is a very tricky thing. I'm not saying that. But codependency exists in uh, a lot of addictive relationships, if not all of them, whether it's drugs or alcohol or whatever. You, as a codependent person, are in a relationship with the person who is using, and you need to participate in a certain way in order for them to allow you in their life, in their lives, and that, and that usually means that you need to allow them to use because it's what they want more than anything. So you refuse codependency. If you receive gifts. Instead of receiving love or time, for example, you need to stand up and say, I am not, I don't want these gifts. I want your time. I want to work on this relationship. So you want to refuse codependency. It allows you to speak up for yourself. The fourth secret in finally learning to live with trauma so it doesn't blow up your entire life is that you must trust again. Now, this is critically important. It goes against what your instincts want you to do. You want to go inside yourself. You want to become that little pill bug. You want to curl up with the blanket. You don't want to engage. Somebody wants to date you again after you've had your heart broken. You don't want to do it again. Oh, I don't want to do it again. It's too much work. I'm going to, I'm going to get hurt. So I'm going to make a decision based on 
my past pain. And that is exactly what you don't want to do. If you want to learn to live with trauma and not bring it into the present with you, then you need to make different decisions. And that is allowing yourself to trust again, whether it's in a romantic relationship, whether it's in a relationship with your parents, whether it's in a relationship at work. It doesn't matter. A relationship with your kids, a relationship with yourself. That's a twist. You must trust again and try again. I would much rather be a person who was hurt again because I chose to trust again because that's who we want to be. We want to be those people with open arms. We want to know and have the validation that people are good, but you're not going to learn that if you don't trust again. So you have to do it. And I'm not talking about the person who's in an abusive relationship, like I'm going to trust that they're not going to hurt me again. I'm not talking about that. A lot of times people, many times, all the time, really, people show us their true colors and when they do it over and over and over again, and we have to ask ourselves, who is that person? I think they're showing me who they are. And I have a saying that I use is more than once is a pattern. So you get to mess up once mess up one time. Great. You screwed up. That's fine. Own it. Whatever. Do it again. It's turning into a pattern. And I don't tolerate that. It's hard to do. It is completely necessary when you do trust again and you are successful. Oh man, does that feel good? That is a whole other kind of healing that happens. That's a whole other kind of validation that happens. It fills you with such goodness. You get to add new information to your brain. Look at that. Look at that. People are good. And I'm weighing this against the past when people didn't treat me so well. That's why it is critical that you must trust again. It's scary. Oh my goodness, it's scary. And I'm not saying don't go slowly. Yes, go slowly if that's, if that's what you can do. But the point is to do it. Number five, in the secrets to healing trauma so that you can live with it, is it's important to take a risk to lose people when you stand up for yourself and demand change. There are many, many, many families that are steeped in generational dysfunction. And you have heard the saying that you broke the chain, that you broke the generational trauma. It can start with you, but it means that you stand up for yourself and demand change. I'm not going to be talked about like that. I'm not going to hear you say those things about me. I like to call it demanding good treatment. I will not listen to you talk to me like that. You're not going to talk to me like that. And I'm not going to have a conversation with you until you can talk to me in a respectful manner. And if the person that you're speaking to is unable to do that and they want to tell you, oh, you don't really hurt. I didn't mean it. You're just being sensitive. But it hurts you. And you're on the receiving end of it. 
and nothing is changing and it's compounding because now you're demanding change and you're being told that you're silly, then it is time to say, if you can't stop this, I can't be here. Sometimes it comes down to, if you can't stop this, then I can't have a certain kind of relationship with you. So maybe I can be there, but I'm not going to talk about specific things. We're going to have a a shallower relationship, but I'll still be in your life. You'll still be in my life. I'm just going to tell you that when you start speaking that way, I got to go. I am a huge fan of the saying that we train people to treat us the way that we want to be treated. And I think this is very, very true in this case. A lot of people will say like, well, they weren't really good people. And so, you know, good riddance to them. To that, I say, I'm, I don't really subscribe to that camp. I like to think about hurt people hurt people. And that means that they're coming from a place of being misunderstood or they don't have the tools that they should have been given or they're reacting from their own trauma. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is a piece of trash, okay? It just means they haven't learned. I mean, they don't want to learn. Maybe that's not their thing. Maybe they're not ready to learn. You can't force anyone to change themselves and treat you better unless they want to do it. So then it's up to you to decide, well, how am I going to participate in this? Am I going to participate in this? Number six, and this might be my favorite secret to overcoming trauma. See, I said it again. It's not overcoming trauma. It's managing it and living with it every day so that it doesn't destroy your life. Is creating your own closure. It's so interesting. We think about closure. Well, I'm just going to sit around and I'm going to wait for it. Something is going to happen that's out of my control that is going to give me closure. Somebody by their own volition is going to wake up one day and say, I need to apologize to that person. Someone is going to wake up one day and say, you know what? I take it all back. I've had a change of heart. And I don't agree with what I said to you before. The likelihood of that happening is very low. It's very, very low. It's hard to get people to change. And like we talked about, they have to want to change. But closure is something you can give yourself. And in the end, it isn't really given by anyone else because even if someone comes forward and says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to say that. You are still deciding if you are going to accept that apology. Your deciding means that you are orchestrating closure or you're not. If you decide not to accept the apology, then you're not going to have closure. Or maybe your closure will be, I'm never going to accept that, po- that apology and I'm going to have this open wound and that's my closure. If you want to move on, closure is a gift that you give yourself. You can finally decide, I am closing that chapter. I'm handling it in this way. I'm not waiting anymore because I'm standing in my truth and I know 
how I was treated. I know it was wrong. And that's all I need to know. I'm not interested in finding out why somebody did this. I'm not interested in finding out the motivation, what the history was, if they were replying or responding. I don't care anymore. My need for peace is greater than my need to be curious. So I'm giving myself closure and I'm saying, I'm in the place, I need to move on. I'm happy to do so. This is one of the best gifts you can give yourself. And it's something I discovered only this year. I was working on forgiveness for quite a while in my life because I seem to have this trait of holding on to grudges, even as I said, I'm forgiving, I'm forgiving. I knew the truth. I knew what was inside me. It was very hard to let go. I was getting something out of holding on to the pain. So I watched a movie called The Shack, and in The Shack, the father is seeking forgiveness, and he has to say out loud who he is forgiving. And the person who is guiding him says, and you might have to say it a thousand times. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried. I went through half a box of Kleenex trying to quietly cry in bed while my husband slept. That's something fun to do, trying to quietly cry in bed and then also, if you ever swallow water wrong in the middle of the night, <laughs> trying to quietly cough your guts out. But the point is that I said it out loud. I forgive so-and-so as I was watching the movie and nothing changed. Nothing changed. And I just kept wondering, what is the matter with me? Why can't I forgive this person? What am I getting out of this? And I had to come to the realization that I was getting something out of it, the more that I protested, the more that I said, this person keeps hurting me, I got attention. Oh, that was pretty disgusting to recognize about myself. I wanted that attention. The bigger picture was protesting, talking about it, being hurt by it, kept me connected to that person. That was, that was it. That was my thread to that person. Is your thread to that person anger? Is it sadness? Is it outrage? Closure is when you let all of that go. You truly let it go and you say, I'm going to get what I need from myself. And I really am ready to move on. And I think closure and forgiveness really go hand in hand. And they talk about forgiveness is not, I'm saying, well, I forgive you. And so what you did to me doesn't matter because I don't matter, that seems to be the translation. I forgive you. We're never going to talk about this again. This is water under the bridge. And what you did doesn't matter then because it goes away. And that's not it. That is not it at all. It happened. It mattered. It hurt you. It wasn't okay. You don't want to live there. And so you decide to give yourself the gift of closure and forgiveness. That's number six, creating your own closure. It's a little magic trick that you can do. You have to want it. Oh, you have to want it. You have to want it more than you get attention from other bad feelings or talking about things or gossip or whatever, keeping the wound alive, keeping the wound open and bleeding. But when you give it to yourself, you are standing on firmer ground from a confidence standpoint. 
And that's a really, really beautiful thing. And the final secret for learning to live with trauma so that it doesn't implode your life is to allow an open mind and heart. You know, that's hard to do. It's necessary. Even if trauma is all you've ever known, you need to believe that your life can get better. We have to have that hope. In some of the deepest, darkest points of your life, it is the light of hope shining down onto you that allows you to see, that allows you to get up, that allows you to climb out. And this is no different. And sometimes we have to work on allowing an open mind and heart, even if we're confronted daily by people who seem to have terrible intentions. Oh, they just tick us off all the time and they seem to be ignorant and they and they seem like they're trying to make us angry or they're trying to hurt our feelings. And you know, the cage rattlers, the ones who say, oh, did you get a haircut? I really liked it the other way better. But I guess that's fine. That's a cage rattler. It's very hard in the midst of people like that to try and have an open heart and mind. And then you add on to long live trauma, all you've ever known. It's very hard to think like, well, this is my reality. This is the information that I gave myself of what my life can be. And so now you're telling me it can be something different. How in the world do I do that? It's hope. There are good people out there. We have to believe that. We have to believe it is going to be okay. We have to be teachable. And that's the other thing. Why would we not want to be teachable when we came from nothing? I came from like less than zero. So I really want to be teachable because I need to know what I need to know so that I can move forward and I can keep going in my life. And I'm not talking about financially. I'm talking about have deeper relationships and be able to communicate more effectively and be able to leverage my purpose more and help more people and help more people tell their stories and have more enriching relationships with my kids and my mom and my sisters. All of it. All of it. So I have to be teachable. I have to say, well, you know what? That didn't really go that well for me. Now did it? I wonder how so-and-so would do it. I wonder what I need to do. A lot of times, I think if we can't allow an open mind and heart, our ego kind of gets in the way too. I don't want to be teachable. I know what I need to know. But there are others out there who have gone through the same or similar things. They know what works. You know those people. You see them. You listen to them. You read their books. You admire them. It's not a situation of this person deserved this life and you deserve that one and that's what you got. It's a situation of they took what they had and they did the very, very best to move forward. That's it. They're human just like you. They used a different mindset. They looked at things differently. They opened their hearts and their minds. And it's not just opening your heart and your mind to other people. You know what's coming. It's allowing an open mind and heart for yourself. I can do this thing that I want to do. I can have a better performance. I can respond differently in a way that makes me proud. Try out what they are recommending to you. Just give it a go. Try one thing, one step. 
That's one of my favorite things to do. If I'm trying to change something, whether it's my diet or, you know, how much I move my body, I will try one thing. I will say, great. I am not having any dairy then. Great. That's it. That's all I'm doing. I'm going to focus on not having any dairy until I'm really, 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 really good at it. That's it. Then I'll move on to something else. Try one thing. Try what they are recommending that worked for them to climb out of the hole of their life. If you're feeling like that, and if it doesn't work, hey, that's that's not time lost. That's an experience. That's wisdom. Maybe it didn't work for you. It will work for someone else. You keep learning. You keep trying. Keep seeking information and refuse to stagnate in your trauma. So here's a recap of the seven secrets of learning to live with your trauma and manage it so it doesn't eat you alive. Number one, understand the decisions you made based on limited information. Number two, be ruthless when it comes to changing your behavior. Number three, refuse codependency. Number four, you must trust again. Number five, take a risk to lose people when you stand up for yourself and demand change. Number six, create your own closure. And number seven is allow an open mind and heart. Now, this is part one of a two-part series on the secrets that you can use to make trauma much more manageable in your life so it doesn't trigger you and cause you to react. You can live with it. I will have the rest of the list in another podcast. But I want to thank you for joining me today and listening. I think that's one of the most important things that we can do is without reservation, without judgment, is we can show up and we can listen and we can learn and we can be curious and determine if what we're hearing makes sense for us. Maybe not all seven makes sense for you right now. Maybe three do. Maybe one does. I call that a really, really good start. One of the things you can do in a pandemic is reach out and make new connections. No shit, right? Everyone has more time on their hands than they want, and life is ripe to secure new gigs and remote jobs. Maybe you are spinning and all the energy abounding around you. Like, I can't stand the busy work of trying to distract myself anymore. Why not turn your boredom into bucks? Check out We Work Remotely on Facebook. Just search the pages and click on the black circle with the white letters, WWR. They post real jobs frequently so you can pad your pockets, even in a pandemic. Productivity, efficiency, remaking yourself, it can all be yours if you want it. And if you do the work to reach out and make it happen, what's the worst that can happen anyways? You make a new connection. Let me know how it goes when you reach out to We Work Remotely. I hope that you land that gig that makes a difference in your life. That's it for today's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.